G'day, g'day. Welcome to another episode of Nights at the Round Table, a podcast of three Pacific Islanders sharing their views through the lens in which they see the world. Okay, that's what it is. I'm not so far, (laughs) but it is the one and only, the songstress, mistress, mistress, mattress of the generation, who sometimes is a chameleon, chameleon? Chameleon. Chameleon. A shapeshifter. No. I'm the, I'm like a shapeshifter from X Men. Yeah, Mystique. 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 That one, yeah, yeah. where I shape and I shift and I shimmer. Right. Lamar, hi. And I'm Sila. And I'm Matt, aka Mateo Music. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, who is you? Because I'm I'm scared right now. Who is who? <laughs> I am me, and you are you. So for those who are wondering, <laughs> Mateo, Sefa is out of town at the moment, and we. Uh, humbly joined by the incredibly talented, multifaceted producer slash musician slash shapeshifter <laughs> amazing singer amazing singer, performer you may have heard his voice on the, the brown, brown hymn book, book. Mm-hmm. do you want to just give a quick little thing of the chorus so people might not really <laughs> no. so yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining us today. So he is also my long time friend. Yeah. So we grew up doing all sorts of shenanigans and all sorts of nonsense, honestly. Literally. 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 The gangster days in Mount Druid. And one of them was pretending to be British on the bus. Literally. We were on the bus one time and I pretended to be from Liverpool. <laughs> Literally. And then the, the, the bus driver, because we were like near the front. Yeah. So I was like, oh, are you, are you, are you, how, what did he say? I can't remember. He's like, are you from the UK? I was like, yeah, from Liverpool. He's like, oh, I'm from Birmingham. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and then we I had to stop. To keep this <laughs> One of many of our adventures that we've been Wait, on. So how old were you two when you guys uh, became friends? Um, I was, I think we were 12 and 13. Yes. Because wow. yeah, we were deacons at in church deacons of god deacons of yeah soldiers of christ servants of dogs as i like to put it and so question have you always how old were you when you learned how to do the splits (laughs) (laughs) wow we went straight there um i actually can't remember when i learned but i remember being really young and just thinking i needed a wow factor if it's definitely a to, well factor. If I ever needed to battle someone on the dance floor, that you know, was I my trick. There's a video I've seen. I don't think I remember you doing the splits until maybe like it was. Uh, it was like when I was like 17. Wow! I, I realized I could do it because I think it was for my grandpa's 16th, <laughs> and um, as part of the dance, there was like a little party and where we yeah. did freestyle. I spent the whole time just like getting ready to do the splits. Wow. Yeah. Wait, so you couldn't even do the splits, but you were just getting yourself prepared. I don't know how I figured out I could do the splits. I That's just That's so good. It's like, you know, when you put your mind to something, <laughs> when you just You can believe, do anything. You, I manifested mm-hmm. it back then, yeah. Wow. So you really I, can said, still, I can still do the splits now, but I haven't done it in a while, you know. You really said like Whitney Houston, Mariah, like when you believe. <laughs> 
It was very that, Prince yeah, of Egypt. Yeah, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Love wow. that. Wow. It's very that. But there are quite a few recordings of you doing the splits. Mm-hmm. There are. Um, one of my favorite ones is um, this one that you did, I dance, and I think it was, the song was Ponder Replay. Yeah. And it was like, let's was go, pro- let's dun da, everybody dun da. And then like, Matt goes it, down. Yeah. Drops. So I choreographed that dance. It was for like a... St- a multi-stake YSA. Yes, I think that's the video I saw. Thing, yeah, <laughs> and so I was in charge of that, like the Afro yeah. dance hall thing. And so, yeah, that part where it, like I slowed down the song and it was like, rock into yeah. the ground. <laughs> like I did the splits and then pretty controversial. For but church. everyone erupted. Yeah, like, like, that's everyone, what I remember. Like the whole crowd. Just, just like, ah, crazy. It was giving volcano, yeah. <laughs> It was giving volcano <laughs> eruption. <laughs> it was like, whoa, I'm scared. The lava. <laughs> Speaking of lava, Shark Boy. <laughs> yeah, so who who had the nickname Shark Boy and why? So I used to do so my hair a certain way when I was like younger. And then like people would tease me. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine people teasing me so long? So I said. I was there for some of it. Not did you part participate? Of it. No, I was yeah, there. he did. <laughs> whoa. He was like, You're right. do it more. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Who do you think came up with the name? <laughs> no, but um, it was usually like the Polynesian boys. Yeah. I remember there was like one time we were in the choir. It was always them. And they were sitting behind me. And then they were like, oh, shark boy. Oh, mm. shark boy. I think that they probably didn't have any malice intentions. Like it wasn't to put you down? Yeah. Mm. At the same time, you don't just look at someone like, hey. Yeah. Fat person. Mm. Fat person. Like I have a name. You know my name. Yeah type of thing um but that's how that was that name was coined for me yeah. shark boy and you know what shark boy i am <laughs> i'm gonna eat your ass <laughs> i noticed that you're both into music mm-hmm. and so when did you discover that love for music and um is it like an outlet for you yeah um my parents have a video of me when i was probably like four or five years old mm-hmm. and i was singing church songs yeah and so since i was that young like they knew that i loved to sing and when I was about 13, I joined our, like, family band that we had at the time. So, I've been performing since that age. Yeah. And so, my love for music started when I was really, really young. And then I started to really get into music when I was around 13. And s- similar to the time when I met um, Shalama. And so, it's definitely an outlet. I think there's so many things that you can say through music that I feel like just normal words can't really speak for you Mm -hmm. i love also the way that music makes you feel Mm. i'm very about like feeling and if something feels good and and that's something that i want to put out in the world and and so yeah that's definitely something that we've i would say we've both grown up and shalomal influenced a lot of what i enjoyed listening to introducing me to like japanese pop and Mm -hmm. korean pop no i don't think uh, let me cut in if i can please (laughs) i didn't influence (laughs) One thing I loved about Matt and then and the people that I grew up with in our ward mm-hmm. is like they really allowed me to embrace who I was. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I influenced them; I bombarded them yeah. with Japanese and Korean music. I love that. Like I even got them to perform mm-hmm. to this Japanese song at one of our youth dances. Yeah. Like I look back, I'm like I cringe so hard how I got these people to do that, but. That's how much they embraced me. Mm. Yeah. So much so that they allowed me to really relish in that. But even more than that, I also wanted to say Matt's family, the Akopo family, they were known as that musical family at church. I love that. And I remember 
Matt and his younger brother Luke were the ones that would always perform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when they got older, it became like a whole family thing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even know like your siblings are still are. Um, oh yeah, they and Helen and Kat, yeah. like they oh, wow. all together. Like that, that whole family is just they blessed us yeah. in more ways than we could even comprehend, honestly. And it was it was part of growing up in the church. It was so normal to be part of like musical things, like mm-hmm. choirs and church performances and things like that. So growing up, my brother and I would always. We were even, like, asked to sing at sacrament meetings, yeah. like, for random wards. We were like, not us travelling. <laughs> <laughs> not us travelling Sydney. Well, I'm going to start charging these people now. Um, but, yeah, when we were that young, we were doing that. And then, yeah, when we grew up, when our, my siblings, my younger siblings started to sing, I was like, wow, they can all sing. That's like, awesome. Beautiful voices and great, too. And actually, through Lamar is, like, how, like, you mentioned the splits and, like, dancing. It was, like, through him that I could... I felt like, oh man, I can like dance too, maybe. Like, yeah. I can move, like damn. Just because, you know, dancing wasn't always something that Polynesian boys did. Even though who said that that was the thing, like <laughs> Polynesian boys didn't dance, like that's so not normal, but yeah. But that's something I remember about both of you, because I, I both <laughs> met you guys when you were kids. Yeah. Is the performing, because I remember how you would come because you had cousins in our ward. Yeah. So yeah. ward is like a church unit for, yeah. for Mormons, and you and your brother, because uh, it was just you two, I would yeah, always remember, yeah. you guys would sing, and the harmonies were always yes. sort of like on point. <laughs> Um, and so Thank I remember you. that you guys would come a lot And then with mm. Lamar seeing him perform It was like in this tent Like literally hundreds of kids and adults uh, Roaring <laughs> applause Like the, the tent erupted Because it was like a massive marquee And it erupted it huge, yeah. when Lamar performed So that's something I, I remember with, with mm. both of you And so with both of you growing up in church And you feeling different What were some things that helped you feel okay With, with you not necessarily fitting into the norm or what you felt was the societal norm each other yeah the best part of the church was the people like and it still is the people like i still talk to a lot of people from church and it's lovely like you know i served a mission and so people from my mission i still talk to and it's it's always about understanding first Mm -hmm. honestly just just realizing that there's more to life than what you think it is too because i think sometimes when you're when you go up in the church there you're in a bubble you're in like a uh, a safe <laughs> a safe a safe space i mean it's um something that i think a lot of us who identify other than norm mm-hmm. outside of the the spectrum of um sexuality and things like that um and being christian and things like that it's complex mm-hmm. and so just being understanding i think that's essentially the message of the gospel is about love love definitely and that umbrella sort of covers understanding and mm. acceptance and, and things like that too so surrounding yourself with good people yeah also not caring what people think <laughs> is huge but it can be so hard as a kid mm. it's still hard yeah. now to be honest um like i got some tattoos recently yeah. and you know even when i dyed my hair blonde the first time a few years ago it was mm-hmm. like a shock like yeah. <laughs> as if i had like killed somebody <laughs> But again, it's like just realizing that if you want to live your life in a certain way and it's not harming anybody, then mm-hmm. you live that life. Yeah. Whatever that looks like to you, whatever joy that brings you, live that life. If it's not harming anybody else, then do your thing. Yeah. Do it. And so with, with some of your body art, um, what do they mean? <laughs> body art? Ooh. Ooh that's the other thing. Ooh. So <laughs> well, I've got these tattoos. 
<laughs> from from Liverpool. <laughs> from Liverpool. <laughs> when I was in Liverpool. Um, no, so the uh, tattoo I have on my left arm um, mm-hmm. in Chinese, it says, uh, may God always be with you. Love that. And it's funny because it's actually a tattoo that Nicki Minaj has oh. on her arm. And so I love Nicki Minaj. Shout out to my boys. <laughs> What's good? Um, so I've always loved that tattoo of hers. And I, I love the meaning behind it too. And um, recently my grandfather passed away yeah. and he was a very big man of faith. And um, so it has a, a triple meaning for me. Mm-hmm. And then I've just got my star sign symbol on my hand. So every time I text, I see it. And so I always want to respond as my true authentic self. Oh, I love that. So I, want, uh, I look at it and I'm like, how would I really respond to this instead of yeah. how would I sugarcoat things mm-hmm. and, and be people pleasing? No, just be your authentic self. And then two weeks ago, I got this tattoo just with my last name yeah. on my right um, arm. And there's a little Roman numeral up here, and it's for the number grandchild I am in my okay. family. So I'm the first on yeah. this side of the family. And so a few of us got it, and so they got the Roman numeral oh, I love according that. to the grandchild number that they are too. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And you, Lamar? Um, I think my yeah my answer is pretty much similar to what Matt was saying. I have a really soft spot for the people that we grew up with, and it was just because of how I was saying earlier, how they really allowed me to embrace myself authentically. It wasn't something I did. It was what other people did for me. Mm. Just them giving me the space, like even inviting me to things. Mm. Um, They never saw me as anything less than what we all were. You know, we're just Mm. young men. Mm -hmm. So even though I never felt comfortable being in those like situations with other young men because I always felt intimidated, they still invited me anyway. That's mm. good. And I think just having that invitation always allowed me to feel more comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point where there was, um, when we were older, there was probably like five of us boys who I, like my heart just goes out to all of them because like they just had my back whenever. I heard you say a little earlier that there was some one of the first people that you came out to. Um, who was he and what type of person was he? Okay, so one of the first people I came out to was, um, uh, his name is Issy. Shout out to Issy. Shout out to Issy. <laughs> he is like straight up Tongan. Yeah. Like he's just Tongan. He was street smart. Yeah. He went to Granville Boys. Okay. So he was like that typical. Yeah. Hard, very, very tough, like very tough very, boy, yeah. like a very tough person. But we would always have like really great heart to heart chats, yeah. even when we were younger. So I always kind of like had this kind of kinship with him because mm-hmm. of the way he portrayed himself. Yeah. But then also knowing that, oh, he also, I think this is where like vulnerability really comes into play with and why I really appreciate people being vulnerable. It's because we kind of like. Mm really um connected on that level mm. and yeah so i came out to him on msn and we not had mutual <laughs> <laughs> not the messenger not and we had, um, yeah and we had mutual that night yeah and that whole time i was just like trying to run away from him because i was like so scared and how did he react so when he eventually caught up to me he was like you know i don't care that's good and then that was pretty much it yeah but um yeah so he was one of the boys Mm. One of the five that who I hold close. Shout out to Kavya. Yeah. 
Shout out to John. Shout out to Matt. Shout out to me. <laughs> the rest of the deacons of God. Dogs. The dogs. The dogs. <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> I think as well, like, um, it's part of growing up and being different. You almost stereotype everyone mm. to think that they're going to treat you a certain way because exactly. it's happened before. Yeah. So yeah, it's such a good point that you touch on because of the mm. way that I just described Issy. Like, a lot of us do that. You know, we see yep. people and then we... We put them into we a judge, box as yeah, well. yeah, and they turn out to be completely different. Because mm-hmm. you know, usually, like from from how you described him, I don't know him, but um, a lot of the time in society or like on on media, we see that boys who are like that, like mm. you know, typical Islander boys, Pacifica boys, that they're very homophobic, mm-hmm. um, mocking. They would bully you, but I love how it was just a very normal conversation. Mm. There was it wasn't like this massive thing but mm, he was just like, "Oh, true. bro, we're all good." Yeah. Um it reminds me of this this new TV show on Netflix. No, this is don't say it. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Um so I watched it I think it was 2 weeks ago and I literally cuz you know there's Love Simon which I love the movie, mm-hmm. then there's Love Victor, not a big fan of Love Victor the TV show, but this new TV show on Netflix is so effing good because it normalizes um, rainbow love, queer mm-hmm. love, um, same-sex love. And it's not like this massive, like, oh my gosh, it's such a big deal coming out. And so, uh, spoiler alert, there's a scene <laughs> <laughs> where um, one of the boys who was battling with his sexuality doesn't mm-hmm. know whether he's straight, um, bi or gay. And he's having a conversation with his mum where he's kind of like coming up to her and it wasn't such a big deal. <coughs> you know, because usually I find like coming out stories, it's like this massive deal in movies and TV shows. And I know that it's a lot for people in, in mm. the rainbow community. It's mm. such a big thing, you um, voicing your truth. And so in the scene when he's telling his mom, his mom just smiles at him and she's like, thank you for telling me. And mm. it was just that quiet love where I was just like, oh, I love that. Yeah. And I wish for every rainbow kid to, to mm. have the same experience. And so with, with you guys, um, have there, have you felt that kind of same quietness or love or what were the reactions of your own families and friends mm. when you told or you, you voiced your truth? It's, it's still, um, because I think to me, you live your life mm-hmm. and whatever your sexual preference, that's how you view and it, that's how you live. Yeah. And so I didn't feel the need to come out publicly mm-hmm. or on social media, even though if you want to do that, absolutely. Your prerogative you if you want do to. Do your thing. Definitely. For me, it was um, it was more about acceptance for my family. Um, Growing up in the church is hard because you have so many expectations put on you from the day you're born, essentially. You know, you sing songs about going on a mission and and being a certain way and getting married in the temple. And sometimes that's not going to be the case for every every child of God. It's not going to be the case for every person that, that walks in the light, you know. And so when I um, came out to my family, it was to... Lift, take a burden away from myself because I struggle with mental health as well. And so there was something that happened in my life that made me want to uh, not no longer be on this earth. And I've listened to this podcast and I've heard, you know, similar stories <laughs> from Yusula. And I even messaged you yeah. about that and how um, much that gave me strength in my own um, constant battle with mental health and things like that. So um, it was during a, just a family meeting and I you know said to my family you know that I am bisexual 
And saying that in front of my family caused a huge reaction in myself. Like I literally cried like I was being shot or something like that. It was so dramatic. And I was like, oh, you know, and and I understand. And I was saying things like, I understand if you don't want to talk to me again, if if you want me to leave. And my family were like, are you are you okay? Like, what's <laughs> going on? Like, no. And, you know, I, um, I'm so grateful for a family that just embraced me. Um, and I know that that's not the same for everybody. And so that's really unfortunate. And I am humbled and, and grateful that my experience was that, that way, acknowledging that it's not that way for everybody. But my family, just said you're our son you're our brother like that's not going to change we don't want less of you in our lives we just want you to know that we love you and we're here and so having that conversation with them and even now I it's not that I don't want to bring up sexuality it's just that it doesn't need to be constantly focused upon Mm -hmm. just because I'm in the room yeah um even though it's something that they're aware of. It's it's not always um, something that I think needs to be brought up in every single situation, but they are aware and they they know that that's who I am and it's complicated with the church as well and their stance on um, marriage equality and yeah. things like that. It's not the same as what I think. And, and so it's, um, yeah, it's definitely been a journey and I'm still working my way through that and navigating what my life looks like Mm. sort of moving forward from that and so um yeah my family are great and I love them so much and just grateful to have had that experience I I think I already talked about my but I want to I just want to add to like Matt like Like, I remember when he would message me, like, he really wanted to come out. But he was always so afraid of how his family would react. Um, and, it, like, that used to break my heart because he wanted to live. Um, and then he would just send me a message, like, oh, sis, like, he would ask me about my experience. And then I, I, I would affirm him, like, you know, I know your mom and dad. Like, I can say as much as I can say, like, yeah, they're going to love you because that's how I truly felt. But I know that it's different where he was coming from. But no, I'm just like super proud of Matt being able to live authentically, to have such an amazing family. Love your fans. <laughs> I love them too. And you know what? I remember one day I was driving home from work and I had a really hard day. And I called him. <laughs> Did you remember this? Yeah. I called him and I was in the car and like it was on my like car thing, so <laughs> you can probably hear like the sound of like me driving but I was just like I'm so sad like I'm so upset like I feel so like stifled like my life has been on hold because to be clear I still loved my mission I still love the experiences that I've had being in the church and you know not all of them because some of them have been negative but majority of it has been a positive and um but 
I went on a mission at that time because that's what I thought I needed to do. And I think it was an important part of my life and my growth as a person because for once in my life, it was not about me at all. Mm-hmm. I was trying to help people better themselves the way at that moment that I thought was best for them. And so um, I know that there are a lot of members that I've spoken to who are RMs and they've come home and then they've explored themselves and they've realized, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not going to be able to go to the temple and feeling inadequate in that way because you've made a covenant with God. It's hard. It's tough to think, well, if I'm supposed to keep these covenants, why is it so much harder for me? Why is this specific part of my life and my growth so much harder? And there are so many people in the church that that will say, and even outside of the church that have made comments like, you know, you made a choice. You made a choice to be bi or gay or whatever the case is. And I honestly, growing up, if I could choose to be straight only, then I would have chosen that because it's easy. It's easier to just be the stock standard of the church because that's something that as children we're grown up to, to sing you know i hope they i hope one day i can go to the temple and be married and sealed to a, a wife and have that and and for me it's it's it might not be that at all and especially the way my life is now it's definitely <laughs> <laughs> it's giving no <laughs> and um i think just I don't know who listens to this podcast. I do. <laughs> I always message Lamar and I'm like, I'm watching this episode right now. Like, yes. No, I'm he messaged me a few weeks ago. Like, I'm really listening to all the episodes at the moment. <laughs> because y'all been on hiatus for too <laughs> long. But you know, like, I've been dying to have this this kind of episode or this conversation for such a long time. Because mm. um, so many of our kids, like our youth, and even like adults who aren't able to voice their truth or live authentically a lot of the time because of what they feel that the church puts on them. Mm-hmm. But something that I love that both of you have voiced is just the kind of community that you grew up in. Yeah. The way that people who, like, even the gangster-looking kid was able <laughs> to just be like, oh, bro, we're all good. And I think it's a necessary conversation for a lot of our, a lot of the people that we love to be able to live their truth. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, for me, growing up, there have been so many people who, when they've come out to me, just because of how I was taught. Mm-hmm. I remember asking one of my friends when he when he told me, I go, but have you tried to, like, date a girl? <laughs> like, one of them. And he was just like, and he said the he same. <laughs> and he said the same thing that you said, where he goes, do you think that if I had the choice, I would choose to be this way? Mm-hmm. And I remember this light bulb just came on for me. Yeah. Um, where so many times people do that, oh, it's a choice to be queer. And I'm just like... A lot of the people that I love, they are the way they are because they're queer. Mm. The beautiful intricacies of them, mm. um, the quiet ones, the loud ones, they are the way they are because of their, um, their sexuality and everything else but that's part mm. of them. And it's not something that I would ever want to be taken away. I love that they are the way they are. I love that. Um, and so I remember when um, one of my friends finally came out to me. He was the first one that came out to me. And I remember I was like waiting for him because he was just like, <laughs> he goes, because I have something to tell you. And in my mind, I'm just like, you know, this this thing where this, someone was just like, oh, yeah. And my mom was like, are you ready to come out yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's that type of thing. And so I'm, we were literally sitting there in the dark for ages. And I was just like, you can say it. Mm. And I was like mm. going to mouth the words with him. I'm like, you can just say it. And he just 
cried and when he told me i remember just we both just sobbed together because mm. i was just like yes this is you mm. and thank you for introducing yourself to me now now this is the, the, the real you um but i think it's a um you know something that I've I've changed with my nieces and nephews is even ask because you know there's so much heteronormative kind of conversations that yeah. we have and so um with them I ask them questions I don't do the expected also to my nieces oh what boy do you like I ask them is there anyone that you like mm. you know it's okay if you like a boy girl or both it's up mm. to you is there anyone that you like just to open that conversation to normalize that if you feel a different type of way that's okay. that isn't heteronormative yeah. it's okay mm -hmm. and it's normal um, but I love these, this, this kind of thing, yeah. Something that I always find funny is that queer people are very creative naturally. And mm. I think a lot of that is because it's a trauma response yeah. to things that you've gone through in your yeah. life, being bullied younger because you're feminine or because of the way you talk or the things that you like. And it's funny because the world wants to benefit from that creativity. Mm -hmm. All of your hairstylists, yeah. your fashion people, your fashion people, your people you know, at local people who do the girls for church <laughs> the ones that choreograph the dances <laughs> yeah, at the church exactly. dances yeah and you know a lot of people want to benefit from that creativity but they're not willing to nurture mm. love and support the people that provide that creativity and i think that needs to change like now definitely it's, it's about reteaching and unlearning negative behavior towards anything that's not what you think is normal because what is normal now yeah. you know what is anything like I think it's it's really good where the world is moving. I just think it needs to move and get there faster mm -hmm. because there's so many people and kids that we can influence and help rather than influence to come to themselves and, and find themselves faster rather than being 29 and coming out to your family because you're afraid of losing them, yeah. you know? And I find that um, a lot of, a lot of, kids who grow up christian they find it hard to reconcile um their sexuality which is a part of their identity not the mm. whole part of their identity yeah. but they find it hard to reconcile their identity with their relationship with god mm. um and something that i found with your song that i love that's mm. part of the brown hymn book is there's um, a line where you kind of say uh, like along the lines of i try to walk away from him but he's never walked away from me yeah and that's something that for me i'm just like god is only god for a church he is literally like from me from what i've learned from 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 our religious beliefs is that um god is literally our heavenly father and to me he yeah. is a father regardless of what i do what i say how i live um he created me he is my father that there's nothing that i can do that can ever kind of separate his love from me and so do you find that it's hard to reconcile christian beliefs i think there are some things that i <coughs> don't think i'll ever understand mm. um but for myself, I st I'm a Christian. Yeah. I still have faith in God. Um, I've had experiences that I can't explain mm -hmm. other than the hand of God being present in my life at that time. But I think when it comes to structured religion yeah. and things like that, there are provisions in place that prevent me from being who I am. And yeah. so for myself, I still have that faith Um going to church and things like that is not something that i'm going to be doing i don't think mm -hmm. um and i urge 
people in the church, um, whether you're queer or not, to have your own experiences. Um, I think it's important to, if you have faith in God, how, why? Mm. Why do you have faith in God? Where does that come from? Um, and so try to... <laughs> not the bird flew. Not the blue tree out the window. The bird said preach. The bird said... <laughs> Um, but I think with yeah with faith it's it's funny because in the queer community Christianity is demonized yeah. and then in the Christian community in the you know believer being a believer being queer is demonized so it's like you're the lesser of both mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. in some situations and so um, yeah it's it's so complex I I I don't have the answer but for me it's just about living my life the best way that I know how, mm. which is to be kind, to love others, do good when you can, and um, that's it. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a weird position where, like, I don't know if I believe. Yeah. But then also, like what Matt was saying, there have been experiences or promptings that I've had mm-hmm. that I've just been like, this can't be a coincidence type yeah. of thing. There's, like, something there. Oh. Because of how my experience was in the church... It really put me off of organized religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the teachings, and, and, and I think um, something that Matt said before and something that I've always tried to uh, really formulate in my own life is like the teachings are very simple and it comes down to love. And like if I focus on that, that's a lot easier than focusing on everything else that happens around the organized religion. So for me, that's how I would kind of like navigate that area so i like there was one time when i thought oh yeah i'm just agnostic mm-hmm. like i don't believe in anything yeah suck my finger oh. <laughs> <laughs> pull Ooh. my finger and suck my finger and that's that but then it's like <laughs> no the, the, but then some like i've had some like weird as promptings mm-hmm. that have really just been like really bizarre where you're in the right place at the right time for certain people yeah and when you're just like, dang, like, and I'm looking up, I'm like, I'm hey, God, it's me, your favorite son. Ain't that yeah. good. Ain't good. Like, yeah, so it's hard. Mm. But there's also like, like, not to go off track, but like, I believe in ghosts and spirits. Yeah. And that is really the team. And that's real. You know what I mean? Like, that's on Holy Ghost. Like that. <laughs> That for me is so like I believe in that very strongly. Yeah. But then when it comes to like, oh about God, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like if I can believe in that, mm-hmm. then Surely. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I so th- there's 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 an awesome book called Someone Queer Lives, um, and it was uh reading it because before Christianity came to Samoa, um uh Fafafinge were just part of the community. Mm. It's, it's nothing out of the norm. Um, and, and in the book, there's a picture where I think it was like a French dude that went over like in the 1600s or something. Mm. And um, in the picture, he it's, it's titled Priest and Priestesses. And when you look at it, you can't see any like presenting females in it, but you do see what looks like um, men. 
And so when I was looking at it, um, because there's, you know, there's no breasts, and I was just like, it just goes to show that, because, you know, a lot of the time in Samoan society, our current, what we see is our current Samoan society, mm. whafafinga always seen in a servitude position. Mm. But what I love about um, the picture and the interpretation that was in the book is they say priests and priestesses, which means that they had nobility. They mm. weren't just people, they were always the, the um, people that did the gills and the locals, <laughs> the ones who look after, <coughs> who look after the nephews and nieces all the time, that they were also uh, priestesses and um, and so for me i love how you know there are so many different things when it comes to spirituality mm. it isn't just this concept of of white old man in the heavens with his beard and long hair who's mm. just like staring down at mm. people um but for me how we each interpret deity or god yeah um, it's, it's, it's something personal to us and i think that that's important to to do and find because um, the only body I have at the moment <laughs> is, <laughs> is um, I have a tattoo on my left wrist, um, and so it's an interpretation of a Banksy art piece called "There Is Always Hope." And uh, <laughs> and oh my so gosh, I never even thought to ask. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know. I love that. And so um, I have the girl reaching to the balloon on the opposite side, which is um, directed towards me. And the reason why I got this done is because because I struggle with depression. Um, I. Whenever I do go through those periods or, or seasons of, of darkness, um, I look at it as a reminder to reach within myself, to remember, reach for something, hold on to hope. Um, and there was this time when I was um, sitting within, I was just like, I have to kind of, I have to force my mind, trick my mind to think of moments of love and then I wrap it around myself, add another one, wrap it around, mm. just so that in that moment I can mm. kind of get out of it. Um, and so I think it's important for anyone, I don't know how I link that to mental health, but like if, if <laughs> For any of those who are not out, it's up to you whether, like Matt was saying earlier, whether you come out publicly or not, whatever. But just like if you are struggling at this time to wrap around those moments of love and the people of love. Um, yeah. there, there was a tweet that I saw the other day where um, someone was saying that they were at like a Tongan community thing mm. and um, so some elders had, had stood up and spoken. And there was an old man that said, He goes, I know that to some of us, to some of us parents, mental health might seem like lapisi. Um, he goes, but to the kids, it's very real. And I think that's a necessary thing that a lot of our older generation, I think because they're so resilient, a lot of them are so resilient, and they're just used to like powering through, even with all the trauma and stuff, um, they just yeah. power through. Um, and you see the, the effect sometimes with their kids. Mm -hmm. And so I love how this is the generation I feel that we're acknowledging. We can still power through, but we need to acknowledge trauma. Mm -hmm. We need to acknowledge some things that have affected us and yeah. have co have those conversations. Like, um, I think, so last week I was talking with my mum and I brought up some stuff that had happened when, we were, when I was younger. And it was so good to hear my mum acknowledge. She goes, I'm sorry that, because she, she was saying, she goes, I'm sorry that it, it hurt you that way. She goes, but are you okay now? I was like, yeah. But just to have that conversation where mm. she didn't try and brush it off with the, pray about it. Because usually that that's, that's, that's her response. Pray about it. Thoughts you know, prayers. just focus on God. He will take it away. <laughs> but I love how my mom acknowledged the trauma that I that I felt and the pain that I felt. And for me, that was massive. Like you don't always have to understand someone's pain, but just to yeah. be like, okay, I can see that that hurt you. Like either hug, even though it was through the phone, but um, <laughs> that that love was that love was felt. So I love that. But yes, I'm so I love it. Thank you so much, Matayo, for Thanks coming for onto me. the potty. I'm so blessed to be here, honestly. And I we will insert the song that you both did because <laughs> I am a fan. I stand. Thank you so much.
Mateo Matt. Thank you. Mateo. Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Mateo Music. You can find me on TikTok. It's Teo Boy. I post K-pop stuff on TikTok. I'm pretty famous. Got 500 followers. Yes, it's famous. Well, that was another episode of Nice at the Brown Table. I'm your boy, Lambs Lamar. Call me daddy. Oh. Please don't call me daddy. Dirty rice. Dirty rice. I'm Sila. And I'm Matt Mateo. Thanks again, Matt, for coming. Thank you. And then, hold on. Somebody wanted. Hi, I am Clones Lama. Hi, I'm Clones Matt. And together we are Clones Desk. Oh my goodness, it has been such a long time since we have made something together. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a yonks. Yeah. It's been years and yonks. It's giving yonks. <laughs> it's giving yonksiana, honestly. Yonks, honks, and tonks. It's been Literally. But we wanted to share something that we are currently working on at the moment. A project. A little project. Um, this is actually something my mum loves. I showed this to mum. Did and you? Yeah, she was like, she was talking all ever. She oh, was talking. She was like a little booty. <laughs> she was shaking her booty. All the way in Root the Hill. Literally, Root the Hill, if you know, you know. Root the Hill. The girls didn't know. No. Because I don't. Don't. Literally. Yeah. Uh, so before we play the song, yeah, would you like to introduce the song? Absolutely. This is Cologne with Do It For Ya. Yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, hello there. How are you? It's Mateo on the beat. Don't be confused. If you don't get it by now, you need to beg and please. And I'ma give it to you good in Japanese. Uh, konnichiwa. Okay, desu ka? Mateo desu ne. Bito ni no de. Kondran chinai de. Kudasai. And I don't give a fuck. Go back the side. And I know that you're feeling it every time that I'm spitting it. And I'm turning the party. My legs are forced because they're spitting up. I've been down and I'm giving up. Like it's life, so I live it up. Keep it saucy on these peas. Help me rush when I get it, y'all. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it for I you. don't know what you want me to do for you I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it for you I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it for you I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it Myself into this conversation, bitches get shot for my declaration. Presenting you here with an invitation. I'ma drop it in Korea, can I get a translation? I know I said, Yo, I'm the baddest from the west. Nigga, change how I go off that means I'm the best. You don't not get up and rise above the rest. Cause the song's gonna shine, stop the track and say less. Uh, I'm a lyrical master, cause I'm a spider bitch, I'm a person who's faster. So we think thoughts, we can bring me in the song. My milkshake wings are the boys of the heart. Watch out, I'm a trapper with my web and shopping my friends, cause I'm ready to descend. Make it difficult for these hoes. Copy him than a bitch like me, cause we're up on the wind. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it. I don't know what you want me to do for you. I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it for you. I know just what to do, so let me do it, do it, do it, do it for you.